for some of those, you just, you want to look away, but you just can't, you know? Oh my, we have problems here. Let me tell you, that's just crazy. Hey, I want to have a, a quick family time with you here before we get talking from uh, Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> um, there, there's a few things I want to mention. Uh, number one, uh, I'm still a work in progress, just like everyone else. Uh, I have not arrived. There are things in my life that God continues to work on, and he, he's got his hands full with me. This week I was driving um, one of my girls to work. At, um, she works at the surgery center. And I was on 14th, and there was a sign up at one of these stores, um, and and it said these words, it's about seven in the morning, and it said these words, never, never pass up the perfect opportunity to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I just never pass up the perfect opportunity to keep your mouth shut, and I drove by that, and you know, you just start thinking these things like, oh, I know some people that, that really need this sign, you know? Wouldn't it be nice if the Lord happened some of them to come by, you know? And <clears throat> so I drop her off at work, and I'm coming out of the driveway. It's about 7.15 now, and I'm <clears throat> I stop at a stop sign, and there's the, the road in front of me, and, and it just goes by, or else they can pull into where I am. And here comes this truck, and I just stop. And they're stopped. And then they're looking at me. And they're screaming at me through the window. Like, I could just see him just doing this. And, and, and they're motioning for me to go one way or another. And I'm thinking in my head, this guy. And then, of course, this sign, never miss the opportunity to keep your mouth shut. And I'm thinking, but I would love to help them. <laughs> the problem, I wasn't feeling any positive things from the Spirit of God at that moment to share with them. And, and I remember as they just kept doing that, I just thought, okay, Brian, just smile. And that's exactly what I did. And I went and uh, turned. I never looked at him. I didn't want to see what was happening at that point. Uh, and I just kept right on going. And I thought, man, that is, in my heart, I did not feel the right thing to do. I don't know if you've ever been there. If you say that you haven't, then you deal with lying as well. <laughs> but last week, um, I said something that was insensitive. I just got to own up to it. Um, we talked about people not liking crowds. And, um, and some people don't like crowds because they don't like the hassle. And that's one thing. But I realize there are some people who struggle with crowds because of some serious hurts in their past. And uh, some people in crowds are looking over their shoulder all the time. And then it's a real battle for them to come to a church like ours that has some size to it. And, and uh, you know... I'm learning as I go, I, I was really insensitive with that, and um, I've owned up to that, and I just want to give you um, one of the many illustrations I could 
for your pastor is still a work in progress, just like all of us. Although a shepherd and under-shepherd, I'm still a sheep too, I think you know that. And um, anyways, I wanted, I wanted you to understand that. There's some people that really battle to be here on Sunday morning, and I'm glad they do. I'm so glad they do. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah, we could even clap. Was that a clap? <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> and right now is the huge vacation time of the summer. Uh, people are gone. Uh, there's a number of things. You know, when we get to summer, we think about boating and think about being out in the sun and on the beach and going on vacation and fishing and all those great things. Uh, don't think about them until about noon today. Then you can start thinking about them. But I, I want you to, um, to know, even though summer may seem lighter for us, it is absolutely crazy busy for our staff. And, and I just want to take a moment to say, we have a phenomenal staff. We really do. Our, yeah, we clap for that too. And, and the cooperative with our church people and to see them pull off things like VBS and to see our teen ministry step it up during the summer and to see this fishing trip that's going to start this week and uh, the higher goals basketball camp that comes up. And you realize that these videos don't make themselves. They require so many hours that go into this and our worship team with all that they're doing and there are in the midst of all of this, things that we don't know, there are significant obstacles that some staff are going through. In fact, PR and his wife are in Minnesota right now because her mom is rapidly failing. And he's, they're doing all this in the midst of it with other people that dealt with health problems and family health issues and some significant obstacles. And just to see their perseverance, their enthusiasm, and all of their energy helps me to realize they truly are all in. They are totally in. And I'm so thankful for who God has given to us. Um, we also have one thing. I don't even know if I mentioned this to you. Our very own Bethany Priest is um, doing a summer internship with us here at East Bay Calvary. And she has um, done a great job with our VBS ministry. But every week she deals with younger age, and that junior high age gals up through about 10th grade, 9th, 10th grade, and has been building a personal relationship with them, has a special classroom on Sunday morning at 9, and we're just so thankful that she's been able to um, be a part of things. And the last family thing I wanted to mention to you, and we'll jump in the text together, this very week, coming up, this very week, there is a proposal that is being put together and finalized by Sarah Fischel who's our children's ministry director. And it will be going to our elders and it will be going to our deacons proposing what we would like to do for this fall with our children's ministry during the 1030 hour. Now we talked about this back in December and January that we wanted to do a pilot program, which we did in April. And if it went well, that we would then do that starting in the fall. And we know it would, it's going to require some resources, some financial resources, staffing resources. And so we're looking to do that this fall. So this week, we would appreciate your prayers. This is finalized. It's going to be going to these folks. After them, it's going to come to all of us because it's going to require our church vote in relationship to 
expending some finances toward it. And I just want to let you know, you'll be getting a brochure probably in the next couple weeks that's going to outline this. We'll give you some time to look it over, pray through it, and then we'll discuss it and make a decision collectively on all that. Sound okay? You folks had me really nervous this morning. Did you have a rough week? You have a tough week, did you? We need to treat this. I could use a nap right now. I don't know about you. It looks more weird for me to take one than for you to take one during this service. How about we get to this, okay? Let's get to it. Grab your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 12. Remember, uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, a number of weeks ago, we talked about the issue of sincerity, and I had a clay pot. And, And I used the clay pot analogy because the scriptures talked about hypocrisy and and the wording used in the Bible for hypocrisy or lack of sincerity um, means that there is a crack in this piece of pottery. The word sincere literally means without concealment or without wax. And essentially in Bible days when there would be this container, this pot, and there would be a crack in it, <clears throat> shrewd merchants would take wax and they would melt it and they would slide it into that crack. They would take some dust and sprinkle it on top of it and, and then they would pawn it off as this is whole. This thing is without any problems. However, hypocrisy means, no, 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 you are concealing a problem. There is a problem. But to be unconcealed without wax means I'm sincere. This is genuinely who I am. Now we know from the scriptures, God says that we need to be sincere. If we come to him, he wants us to be sincere. He wants us to own up and be real with him. And and here's the truth. He knows the truth anyway. It doesn't help to come to God and to pawn ourselves off as perfect. He knows the reality of our heart. He knows our heart. He knows our mind. And we need to be sincere with him. God says, if you come to me, just come honestly. And if we come phony baloney, it's not real worship, and he doesn't buy it. But here's the other part of it. Not only does God want us to have sincerity with him, he wants us to have sincerity with each other. That's what we're talking about today from Romans chapter 9, or Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. We can't dupe God with hypocrisy. He sees it. However, sometimes we can dupe each other. And so in this passage of Scripture, he asks this overarching question, is it real? Is our love for each other real? And here I want to read for you these Verses starting in verse 9 of Romans chapter 12. Would you look there and I'll just go along in my text. You follow along in what you have. Here's the imperative, verse 9 of chapter 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Do you catch those imperatives? I'm going to read through them one more time. Love must be sincere. What does that look like? Three things. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. 
Honor one another above yourselves. So for a moment, right where you're at, I just want you to look to your right, look to your left. Now that some of you are scared, you're wondering why I asked you to do that. Do you have sincere love? for the people that you just looked at. If you're a first-time visitor, you must be scared to death right now. <laughs> I apologize. Some of you say, yes, I do. Well, good for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about what that looks like. For others, you say, Pastor, do you know who's on my right and my left? Do you know what you're asking of me? And I, I understand, I'm with you. On, the, on that East Bay Weekly thing, that's why you write your prayer requests on there and send them on in. We'll pray for you, we will. And then some of you might be asking, what is sincere love? What do you mean by that? That's what Romans chapter 12 is all about. There's actually 28 commands to follow between verses nine through verses 21. We're only going to cover three of them today because I have the feeling some of you would be sincerely honest with me about how long this message went if we didn't stop at three. So let's go with three. We're going to discuss this morning what sincere love for each other really looks like. And here's three commands he gives us to deal with this sincere love. Here we go. <clears throat> you have your East Bay Weekly. Let's talk about it together. Here's your first blank. Three actions of sincere love. Your very first blank. Love wants what is best for others. Love wants what is best for others. Here's how we get this. If you notice, this is in the context of our relationships. Love to each other must be sincere. What does that look like? And he mentions it. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now you may have looked at this phrase, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, and you wondered, how does that fit with relationships? And some look at this and they just get this idea, maybe that is we should do what is right and avoid what is wrong, and certainly that is true. We should avoid the wrong and do what is right. <clears throat> However, this context right here pushes in a little different direction than that. Take a moment and think about <clears throat> a description of true love. And if some of you are wondering, is there a description of true love in the Bible? Yes, there is. It's in the very next book of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. And he says, love, and he goes down through a number of things. Love suffers long and is kind. It's not easily provoked. And he goes through all these different things. And then it mentions <clears throat> about true love. <clears throat> it says it doesn't rejoice in wrong, but it rejoices in truth. Here's what Paul's getting at here in Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> We're to have sincere love for each other. It doesn't delight in the wrong. It wants what is best for the other person. We get concerned for them if they begin to step in a bad direction, if they get involved in wrong things. We don't take pleasure in wrongdoing 
but rather we stand up and we encourage them and help them with what is best for them. Here's how we look at it. We cannot truly love someone and not want what is best for them. Sincere love won't let a friend sell short. Now, I want to talk to all of you, but if there are people from the age of 25 on down, I really want to connect with you right now because I've heard this so many times. If love hates what is evil and clings to what is good, even for the other person, I've heard young people say this, but you know, my friend is starting to do this, insert bad thing. And then they'll say, but who am I to tell them it's wrong? Let me answer that for you. You're their friend. You're the person who loves them. And if you really do love them, really do love them, you pull them aside and you say, you know, I love you so much. I just gotta be honest, it's not right. Now this happened to me. This happened to me back when I was in college. And um, I was actually engaged to be married to this one gal when I was in college. Um, We had talked about marriage. I went and I got an engagement ring. I put it on layaway at Kmart. No, just kidding. Try to make sure you're still with me. Some of you folks are, I know those boxes are nice, but people, I'm here. So um, I put it on layaway at this jeweler, this big, fancy, thank you. Thank you. Um, So here it's at this great, nice jeweler on layaway, all this super nice stuff, and and I'm just thinking of the day when I get to be able to ask her to marry me. And I remember telling some guys in my dorm, and one of which was from her home church. Now, never forget the look on his face when I said, I'm thinking about asking her to marry me. I've got this ring, and it's set aside, and he just went into panic mode in his face. And later that night, he pulled me aside, and he says, Brian, I need you to know something. And he was actually, I could see him visibly shaking, and he was so scared. And he said, Brian, I've kept my mouth shut this whole time. And I have to say something, and please don't be mad with me, you don't know who this person is. And we just got back from spring break, and he said, when we were home on spring break, you don't know what happened. She is not faithful to you. This is a disaster. You are going to be wrecked. And and he was crying right there with me, and I just didn't even, I, I couldn't even process it. And I remember I, I went to her. I said, is this true? She said, yeah. There didn't seem to be a lot of remorse. Broke off the engagement. I got my money back from layaway and went and bought a hunting rifle. 
<clears throat> I'm serious, I did. I did. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Maybe you don't need to know everything, huh? I know. <laughs> and then God's given me a beautiful wife and seven great kids, you know. And then I wonder, where would I be? Where would I be if a friend didn't step forward and hate what is evil and cling to what is good in my life? Where would I be? Sincere love <clears throat> cares about what's best for them, really what's best for them, what God wants for them. Here's number two. This is a really neat word here. If you look at verse 10, after hating what is evil and clinging to what is good, he says, be devoted to one another in love. Be devoted to one another in love. <clears throat> love is actively loyal. That's your blank there. It's actively loyal to others. What a neat word, loyal. And here's what we get it from. It's the word devoted. And this word devoted in the original language is actually, it's a compound word. It's two words squeezed together, and this is what it means. The meaning is to love, this is so cool, to love like family. Isn't that cool? To love like family. And Paul stresses here in his writing of Romans that if you have sincere love for someone, there is a unique loyalty that is there. There is a devotion that is there. <clears throat> and it's a devotion like family. Because you know you can pick your friends and sometimes friends come and friends go. You don't get to pick your family, do you? Some of you are like, no, you don't. <laughs> and they're always family no matter what happens. And guess what we've got going on here? We have a family. We have God our Father who loves us dearly and we are his children. And if God is our Father and we are his children, then guess what that makes us? Siblings. And these are the faces you're going to be seeing for all of eternity. You seem really excited about that. <laughs> and some of you are like, Pastor, you're giving us a downer message. And no, this is great. We're family. And in this wording here, Paul says, you know what? So your loyalty is to be familial. We are to have this unique connection and oneness that goes beyond surface. And our loyalty is unaffected by the actions of others. You think about it, our loyalty as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ is unconditional. And we understand that from this wording, and we also understand it because God our Father has unconditional love and loyalty to us as his kids. 
I'm going to give you number three. I've got to keep moving. So love wants what is best for others. Love is actively loyal to others. Number three, love puts a high price tag on others. This is sweet. So he mentions hate what is evil, cling to what's good. Be devoted to one another in love. Then here's the word that we're focusing on in this command. Honor one another above yourselves. Here the the text uses this word honor, and often when we think about honor, we normally think of maybe respect or esteem or admiration. We think about those with a higher rank. Well, I want to share with you something a little bit unique about this word here found in the passage. Honor means this. It means a valuing by which the price is fixed. A valuing by which the price is fixed. So what he's talking about is not merely an esteem as in a respect, but he wants us to put a high price tag on these people that we have sincere love for. That's how we know that it's sincere. We put a high price tag on them. And the price is fixed. Now, um, there's a little thing that happens around Traverse City that my wife and I have begun to enjoy greatly, and that is the yard sales. And estate, they're all over. And different from when I worked in New York, I had Mondays off. Well, here I have Fridays off. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and oftentimes I'll take the girls, we drop them off at work, and I come back and I'm like, honey, I must have seen 10 yard sale signs. Let's go. Let's go. And we pack up. And one day last week we went around. I don't know how many sales we went to. We got done. We spent $2. It was just great. So much fun being out. Have you ever done a yard sale? You want to know the hardest thing? Yes. You guys are, they'll keep doing them. We'll be by your house sometime soon, you know? You want to know the hardest thing about doing a yard sale? The pricing. It was terrible. Because something has such maybe a huge value to us. Oh, that's the thing that we, whatever. It's huge value and someone comes by, I'll give you a quarter. <laughs> and it just doesn't mean as much to them. How do you price some of these things? It's so difficult. And then if you're the buyer, the negotiating side of it, Sometimes it's a little bit tricky. My wife and I are working through this a little bit. She, she does not like to negotiate at all. And, I, and this is the one, you can pray for us with this. This is the one thing when we go out together and, and I'll be like, uh, I'm going to offer him a dollar. She's like, oh, honey, you can't. You can't. You'll hurt their feelings. We don't even know them. (laughs) I remember we've been looking for a bike for one of our boys forever. (laughs) Oh, my word. 
And we got to this one yard sale, and I see this guy walking out with a bike. I'm like, that was the perfect bike. And he puts, but he goes to his truck, and he's, he's pulling a trailer. He's going to every yard sale and buying stuff cheap, and he's going to turn around and resell it. I'm like, why didn't we think of that? And he just stuffs the bike in the back. And, and I'm thinking, my, I'm going to go up there and ask him, how much, how much? And, uh, well, then they pull off. I'm like, oh. We get to the next sale, he's there. And I was going to go ask him, and I kind of got a little bit nervous. I'm like, honey, I think maybe I should go ask him. I don't know, you know. And then he goes off. The next sale, he's there. Finally, I said, honey, I'm going to go ask. I'm going to go ask. So I walk up to him. I said, hey, um, are you just looking to resell that bike? He goes, yeah. I said, well, what do you want for it? And he turns to me and says, well, what are you going to pay for it? And so I'm thinking, I'll go, uh, here's where my wife and I, oh my. I said, I'll give you 20 bucks, my wife, or 25. <laughs> Anyways, settling on a price is so hard sometimes. What do you ask for something? Well, and, and you think about it, in this culture, if you've ever connected with Middle Eastern culture, it's all haggling. It's all talking about prices. What are you going to give me? And going back and forth, there's this big negotiation process that happens. But the cool part about this word for honor is he says, you are going to set a price on not a thing, on a person. And the price you put on them is higher than the price you put on yourself. And here's the cool thing about this word. The price is fixed. There's no negotiating. Someone says, you know what that person's worth? You say, ah, ah, ah. They're more valuable than that to me, and I'm not negotiating their price. I love them. It's a cool thing about this honor to one another. And this isn't the only Bible verse that talks about this considering others and esteeming them more than us. Like Philippians 2.3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. First Peter 5 goes on with this same theme, and he says, all of you put on humility and lift others above you. And then Jesus gives us the two greatest commandments ever. And he says the first one is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second one, if it rings a bell, is to love your neighbor as... And so here's this idea, like, I'm not above them. In fact, the price tag I'm going to put on them is higher than me. And I'm just not going to negotiate. That's how valuable they are. You can tell me whatever about them. Pfft, I don't care. I love them. I uh, ran through this message earlier in the week with a lot of our staff at our staff meeting on Tuesday. And uh, I said, how do we show, like practically, what can we do to show value or honor to those around me? And here's our staff top ten. Okay, our staff top 10. 
And um, you got a larger blank there on your study sheet. Let's just write these down. Um, I'm going to give them to you here. Here's number one. I, let's start small. Start small here. Number one, don't look up there. It's not going to be up there. Um, I'm just going to give these direct. Number one is, I know it seems puny. It's important. Know their name. Know their name. You know, you know um, something that makes someone feel significant is not only that you know their name, but that you use their name in talking to them. Here's number two. Top ten, number two. This is a, a unique way to say I value you, eye contact. I, I know it sounds small and petty, but connecting with people visually and, and taking the time to truly reach out to them and make eye contact is, is important. Here's number three. Know their interests. Know their interests. Doesn't mean you have to like their interests, but to know them to connect with them on it. That means I care about you more than just an acquaintance, but I care about what you care about. Here's the next one. Talk them up. Talk them up. I'm going to give you two ways to do this. These are dynamite. Not only should we do this to them and talk them up to them, this is the best way to show you honor them is to talk them up to others even when they're not around. And that communicates a, a high level of value. Because, you know, the opposite of that, which so many are known for, is that of gossip. You know, spreading the dirt on someone or intimating something negative about them blabbing about another's problems actually shows that we take honor more in ourselves and knowing it and we don't have a high price tag on others if we blab their dirt. But to blab, they're good. And I understand it might take a little bit of creativity to get there but to talk others up, not only to them, but to others about them. Here's another one. Give them time. I'm gonna, give them time, that's number five. I'm going to give you four things to write down under give them time. Number one, pray. This is just on that give them time. These are four under it. That way it's a top 10, not top 14. Pray. To know someone and to stop and pray for them. Talk. To talk to them. And I'm telling you, in our day of moving, 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 and everything we got to do to stop, to put the car in park, and to talk to someone without being rushed. Here's number three. Listen. Listen. 
One of the best things in giving people time is just to pop open our ears and to close this thing and just to soak it all in. And, and to listen without like loading up of what we're going to shoot back with, but just with no perceived or preconceived response to listen. Number four is service in that, to give them time for service. Because you know the things that we have time for have the higher price tag. I don't, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for this. And you know, and that's one thing if it's a hobby or, or something we do on the side, but when it's I don't have time for people. Number six, remember what they said. Now this is huge. Someone spills something and says, hey, here's my life and here's what's going on in my life. When you come back to them and when you say, how is that thing going? Bam, value, honor. But to never follow up with that, to never, hey, you know, it certainly puts a question mark out there. Did they, did they care? Number seven, remember special events. I tell you, you want a widow or widower to love you to no end. Remember when their mate passed. And fill that day with something special. That'll mean everything in the world. Remember anniversaries. Remember births, those are all very special things. Number eight, moving through quickly, open up. The one we open up to is the higher price tag. I'm not just gonna spill my guts to anybody, but you know what, it means I really value you if I say, here's a need, this is what's going on in my life and I'm not gonna blab it to the world, but you, I need you to know. Sometimes we tell people, we really care about them and we value them because we're giving them a piece of privileged information that I don't give to anyone else. Number nine, follow up. Text, note, call, visit, follow up. Realizing that people are thought of during the week. Number 10, shower joy. I don't know how else to say it. <clears throat> but you know, the person that we have the good attitude toward, that's the one with the higher price tag. Remember what Ken Rudolph said a number of weeks ago. Sometime where we all smiles, then we come home and, you know, we're just all grump. It's kind of like, why don't you save that for those people and give me... The smiles, you know? The person we have the good attitude toward has a higher price tag. Some people are thinking right now, and I know, Pastor, I come to church to have a good relationship with God. Teach me how to get closer to God. Well, check this one out. 1 John 4, 20 through 21. Here's what it says. 
If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not, and here's the proactive side, anyone who doesn't love his brother whom he has seen can't love God whom he hasn't seen. And he's given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You want to get close to God, a step in that process is to get close to each other. You want to love God, well, step in that process is to love each other. I want to give you these things, and then we're going to finish up um, with a song here today. Um, I want to give you... I want to give you something practical here to finish up with and a goal to set for yourself. Here's two things to think about as we finish up. I want you to look for someone to love. I want you to look for someone to love. They may not always come up to you, but I guarantee you they are around. They are right near you right now. And you want to find the most exciting and enjoyable thing you could ever do is locate one of these people and to give them love. And, and I'm telling you, it will fill your tank, my friend. Jesus said it better than me. Maybe the words sound familiar. It is more blessed to give than to. And it's so true. If you find someone to love and you dish it out to them how rewarding that is and to make it sincere and ongoing here's the second one I want to give to you and I've mentioned this now a few times this summer it may not be the last time look for our small group sign up this fall Look for our small group sign up this fall. There's probably someone here saying, I think that pastor has an agenda. Yes, I do. Because here's how it works. Somebody can't love everybody. But everybody can love somebody. And the bigger our church gets, Thank God for that problem. The more we need to be able to collect into some smaller groups, this is the grassroots level of love for East Bay Calvary Church. This is where we have fun together. My small group went on a tour of the hangars at the Coast Guard this past week and got to see the Blue Angels up close. I almost felt I could fly one after the video from last week. We've done cookouts. It's fun. There's care. We know when someone's hurting and we pray for them. There's relationship. There's accountability. Someone doesn't show up to church. It's like, hey, where you been? What's going on? Because most churches, when they think about growth, they think about the front door. 
Let's get people in the front door. Let's make it exciting. And they come in. You know, people get in, and after a while, it's easy to drift. And this is what we talk about, sliding out the back door. We get them in, but if they slide out the back door, they're gone. One way to shut and lock the back door of the church is to have a vibrant, connecting, small group ministry. Not everyone's going to know everyone, but everyone will be known by someone. And you will know someone you can care for too. Look for that in the fall. And be ready. Because I really see our church loving each other even more dynamically than what it does now. Look for someone to love. Look for our small group sign up in the fall. Would you take a moment and close your eyes with me? And I just want to ask you the question I started with. How sincere is our love? How authentic is our love? Do we feel we have to fake it, put on a show, paste a smile, pretend to care? Or do we really care? Sometimes to say the hard things because we hate what is evil and we cling to what's good. Sometimes just out of plain loyalty because they're family. Even if I'm disappointed, I'm devoted. I put that high price tag. How sincere is it? Really? Would you ask yourself that question? Can I encourage us all to bump up our love meter? Start at home, start with your spouse with your kids, with your parents, with your siblings. Start at home. Bump that thing up. Then bring it here. And let's do the same stuff for each other. To be this body that God intended. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask that you would work in our hearts to do the things that you have done for us. And you loved us, even when unlovable. And God, as we love each other and show we're all in by this, may all people know that we are your followers, that we have love for one another. You're doing something awesome here. Continue to do it. And use our love and care for each other as a main ingredient in that. All these fake Calvary said.